Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in the great big beautiful Town Bank building. We are also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, which is kitty corner from Sendex and across from Winkies. And we're now able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida, which is great knowing with winter coming. <laughs> and if you would like more details, if you'd like to see pictures, if you'd like to see pictures of our offices, you can go to ellenbecker.com. Also, if you would like to listen again to today's taping or if you'd like to share it with someone that you know, you can also go to ellenbecker.com. You can go there and hit on radio shows and you will see our radio show Money Sense, which I'm on today. And I'm also you can click on Milwaukee Philanthropic Community, which what we do is every single Sunday we interview two charities within our community and you'll be surprised to know that there's 50 7,000 different charities within Wisconsin, which means I'm going to have a job for a really, really long time. Do money sense for 30 years and maybe another 30 years. Wouldn't that be absolutely fabulous? My guest today is Mary Brown. She is the president of Campbell Newman, and she has been on the radio show here with me since 2006. Isn't that amazing? That's really amazing. How time flies. And so, of course, there's been a lot of changes in, in the um, stock market and the investment community. And Mary Brown and her team actually manages our two of our portfolios, our dividend-paying stock portfolio, which for me is the the solid piece of our portfolio, the piece that is there because I love it, the quality and the dividends that it pays. And I'll share with you today one of my philosophies that has really worked very well for us. And also her team manages our small cap individual stocks. So these are all individual stocks. And a long time ago, my daughter Julie and I made a decision that we didn't want to own all mutual funds. We didn't want to own all stock. And uh, so within our portfolios, we have individual bonds. We have individual stocks, both um, small cap and large cap. And then we sort of sprinkle in um, the different types of things that we want, such as international and maybe a more aggressive growth. And um, we do have some bond funds that we use. But it became very important for us to really dig deep and I do mean dig deep, into what our portfolios would look like and how we could um, have the type of performance we wanted with taking less risk. And we will talk about that today because everybody's idea, they say, of risk is different. But what I find when my clients get to a certain point in their life, no matter how much money they have, they don't want to take risk. They don't want to lose it. They don't want to go back to work. And if they have more than they need, they want to pass it to charities or their children. But it comes to a point where everybody says, you know, i kind of done with that risk thing. I still need to grow. I still need to keep up with inflation and taxes and my spending, my own personal spending. But I really don't want to see those huge 
fluctuations. And so Mary and her team were instrumental in helping me put in a plan for our clients that we feel strongly that we can we can do that. And um, so, Mary, one of the things that when people have heard this story since I look at you, have been on since 2006, they've heard it several times a year, that you and I are really very good friends. And when we met, we literally met over a glass of wine to talk about how can I provide all of my clients the wonderful um, services that you provide in managing money. And at the point when you and I were doing that, we were really looking at a much larger sum of money, a million dollars. And I remember when I left the M&I Bank, and there they only did a million dollars for a client coming in for trust. I remember thinking, my parents don't have a million dollars. Why shouldn't they have those same services that other wealthy people have? And so over a glass of wine and um, dinner, you and I shook hands, and at that point we formed a relationship and a partnership of bringing the best possible services and money management to my clients. And I have never forgot that because you, we were both stepping into a different arena of something that had never been done before, but it has really worked out. And one of the things that I really liked and I appreciated and honored was the fact that your dad started his company. And so you have roots in Milwaukee. And when I was working at brokerage firms, they always gave me lists of people that I could um, have managed money for my clients, but they'd say, they're not going to talk to you. I mean, they're not going to talk to you. They're in New York. They're in New Jersey. You know, they're in Boston. And uh, I have lunch with you and dinner with you several times a year. You meet with our clients um, personally through an event that we host every year. You are very visible. And you're also part of our community. Can you talk a little bit about your dad who started the company? And, and how did Campbell Newman, you know, enter Milwaukee Mm -hmm. as a money management firm. Well, it's actually pretty interesting because the antecedents of the firm go back to 1936 with Mr. Newman, Ray Newman, and um, he had a sole proprietorship investment management firm called RF Newman and Company. And my dad worked for him during the 1950s for about five years. While he was there, he he called himself a statistical slave. um, And he just really (laughs) learned the business from Mr. Newman. And after that, he was hired by Luma Sales. And he spent almost 20 years at Luma Sales, where he eventually became the the manager of the Milwaukee office, and he was on their board of directors. So when I was a little kid on Sunday mornings, he'd get packed up, and we'd have kind of a big Sunday supper at lunchtime, and we'd put him on a plane, and he'd go to Boston to um, uh, Luma Sales headquarters, and uh, he'd be there for two, three days where he was in investment meetings and board meetings and things like that, and then come back. And what he found during that time was he, in that management role, he was away from the thing he loved, which was stock picking and working with clients. And my dad was an amazing stock picker, and I'm so lucky that he mentored me (laughs) and brought me along because it made a huge, enormous difference. And so when the opportunity arose that Mr. Newman was going to retire in 1977, or late 1976, um, the bicentennial year, it uh, one of my dad's friends um, said, this is going to happen, and would you consider coming back and, and leading 
the firm. And so that that um, Campbell Newman, it was then known as Campbell Newman Pottinger and Associates, and we changed the name to Campbell Newman in 1993, I think, because that, uh, uh, Don Pottinger had retired and everybody referred to us as Campbell Newman. And um, they also said, are you attorneys? And it's like, no, we better <laughs> add the asset management on the end to describe what we do. So that's when we became Campbell Newman Asset Management. My dad, and, and we really became known as high-quality, large-cap growth managers. And um, in the late 1990s, um, we fell behind during the dot-com bubble in terms of performance because we would never own those companies that didn't make any money. And so we'd have very strong returns, but they were behind you know, the market that was getting the returns from those dot-com companies. And the markets were so volatile then. But it was then during the bear market of 2000 to 2003 that in talking with clients, we understood they liked working with us. They believe in what we did, but they want lower levels of volatility and higher levels of current income. And that caused Tom Bolgert, my partner, Tom Bolgert, and me to start to do the research on what dividends meant to toll return, what they meant to dampening volatility, and most importantly, the signal management's giving when they pay a meaningful dividend and increase it year after year. Our investment philosophy for the dividend growth strategy is a company's dividend policy is tangible evidence of management's confidence in future earnings growth, and earnings growth drives stock prices. So it was in 2003 that our you know, we successfully transitioned. My dad had retired earlier. We successfully transitioned to the second generation of ownership and management. And then we also um, launched our, our dividend growth strategy that started with an existing client gave us um, a million dollars in his IRA. And today we manage um, around uh, a billion two in the strategy. So just built it account by account. And when you came on, um, with dividend growth. It was um, 2006. And you were a very early adopter, Karen, because yes. if you look back, remember, I mean, now dividends are in vogue. Um, but at that time, nobody wanted to talk about dividends, even though, you know, we know what dividends do and how valuable they are. But at that time, it was all total return and companies that are paying out dividends, well, they don't have anything better to do with their money. And it was a much different age. And I think that, um, you know, you you had a lot of foresight in um, working with us and, and you doing know, that. I still remember, and I'm still part of a group of about 20 um, different advisors from all over the country. And I was the only woman up until about four years ago. And then Julie joined us. <laughs> I remember sitting down with them and explaining your strategy and telling them that we were going to be paying you a fee to managing money. And they literally said, you've got to be crazy. Nobody is going to want to work with you if you're not picking the stocks. And I'm saying nobody would want to work with me if I am picking the <laughs> stocks. Because there's no way that I could provide the type of services, estate planning and tax planning and all of those different things that are so intricate in, in good management and be staying up all night trying to determine what stocks I should buy and the markets are all at different times and the different stocks out there. And literally, they thought that I was crazy dividend-paying stocks. They said, you're going to miss the market. And of course, 
their tune was totally different in 2008 and 2010. And now, I mean... There's still some rogue, what I would say, you know, the cowboys, mm -hmm. that they really do feel that they need to do their own stock picking. But our our performance and has been stellar. And it really is you and I sitting down that night and talking so much about what was important to our clients and the mm -hmm. synergy that we had around that. But I have never felt that you've deviated from what we initially wanted you you've changed stocks you, you things come in they go out but and then we added the small cap a few mm -hmm. years ago because our clients came and said you know we we don't want to take any more risk but we'd like a little bit more gusto and then i came and said what can we do how can we do that and of course you came up with the strategy of buying small cap um, stocks who already have proven performance mm -hmm. which is has been right. they has all been, have to be profitable they all have to be profitable and one of the other things i don't want to lose sight of in in your story about your dad and and you taking over that i watched you take over your dad's business because i had always hoped that julie would take over mine and the statistics out there are in the second generation you know 50% of those businesses or more fail when they're passed to the second generation and about another 50% fail in the third through the fifth year. And of course, with me thinking that this is my baby and working so hard to create this business and hoping that it would stay stay in the family and grow, I watched all the things that you did and how you really um, leveraged off of what your dad taught you, but how you added your own individuality to the company. And I I admired that, and I know one of my sayings is all, always nobody wants anyone to change their baby's clothes, and but you did it organically, and that's Julie has been um, now running the company as the president for over four years, and she has done an amazing job. So you've been a role model for us at Ellen Becker to really know, number one, it can happen, and businesses can grow, and they can be passed to that next generation. So. It's been it's been very exciting. Well, thank you, and, Karen. And now you have um, a third team member in in there. You've got um, Tom, Tom and Remus, Remus Malaitis, right? You. And he joined us in two thousand five. Five, right? And so you've got a solid team that's mm -hmm. been together, uh, looking at all of these different investments. And when I think of my friends telling me that I was crazy, um, I think about. How could I do what you do when what you do all day is look at stocks mm -hmm. and nothing else? Mm -hmm. And that's why we also don't give uh, financial planning and wealth management <laughs> advice because um, we're not experts in it. So, you know, we're a boutique firm that um, does, you know, we're bottom-up stock pickers and that's what we do and we're not going to deviate from that. Yes. And, and because you don't have enough hours in the day. Well, and I think I really want my listeners to understand one of the things that I think is really important is the fact here you and I are doing the radio show talking about our history and our commitment. And when I was a broker and I was at both Baird and Dame Bosworth, we never got to talk to any of our management. The only people we ever got to talk to were the wholesalers who brought us mm -hmm. donuts. <laughs> donuts and bought us salads at lunch and pitched their stories. And, I mean, that was really it. You never got to see mm -hmm. 
the the managers and you never got to talk to them and they you never got to tell them about your clients and what their hopes and dreams were mm-hmm. and and it's particularly important because we have younger clients and we have older clients and we have our children of our clients mm-hmm. and so you you have to always be massaging what you're doing and making sure that you're keeping up with the times and I think that a small company is so much more able to keep up with what's going on in the market and make quick decisions opposed to a larger firm who has to go through a whole bunch of bureaucracy right to buy paper clips almost right. you know so and when we come back i think it's time to talk about uh, philosophy and stocks and how you manage money with that we'll be right back Welcome to Buddy Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. My guest today is Mary Brown. She is the president of Campbell Newman. And as we were talking earlier, her her dad started this firm many, many years ago, and she has been able to follow in his footsteps and keep up with exactly his philosophies and yet to bridge some gaps out there and in, in, in growing the company and adding some different things that have really made a lot of sense and not only made sense for your firm, but of course for our firm too, because Mary and her team manage a huge bulk of the money at Ellen Becker Investment Group for our clients. And if you were to ask any one of our clients sitting down, they would say, I love those stocks. <laughs> <laughs> I love Campbell Newman because it is something that is I want to say in its own way, very predictable because of the dividend-paying stocks. So, Mary, why don't you talk a little bit about your philosophy and talk about how you do the selection of stocks. One of the things that I think everybody always wants to ask a question and maybe doesn't even know to ask is, what will happen in an up market? What can I expect? And what can I expect in a down market? Because I can live with something that I kind of already know might happen. It's when that shock comes in and and they didn't even have any awareness of it. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about your philosophy and how you get to it. Okay. So our philosophy is a company's dividend policy is tangible evidence of management's confidence in future earnings growth. And earnings growth drives stock prices. And um, we got to that uh, that philosophy f- through studying history. And um, almost half of total return over um, long periods of time, like 100 years, has come from um, dividends and dividend reinvestments. So it's a very important component of total return. But if you look back when we were... Um, doing the research on this in 2003, dividends were really out of vogue. Everybody was looking at price appreciation coming out of um, the the bull market of the 1980s and 1990s, where um, the lion's share of return was from capital appreciation. But we kind of believe in mean reversion. Things aren't going to go along one way forever. But um, the 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 core of it is that we think these companies that pay meaningful dividends and increase it year after year are showing with a non-retrievable cash payment out to shareholders that they're going to manage sharehold the managements will manage shareholder capital that engenders a higher probability of consistent earnings and dividend growth. So in the end, we think they sit more on the same side of the table as shareholders. They're not just empire builders trying to get bigger companies so they get paid more. It really is a much better partnership for shareholders. Now, you're going to get those outlier companies um, 
you know, like Amazon or um, Netflix, they've done very well and don't pay a dividend. But by and large, over time, this has been a very um, uh, consistent and strong approach. As you talked about, you know, protecting on the downside, that's so important. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to outperform the market over a market cycle. Now, a market cycle now, is it eight (laughs) years? Is it a decade? I don't know. But um, outperform over a market cycle at lower levels of risk, which we define as standard deviation of return. So we want to, when the market goes down, we want to go down less. And because you're protecting more, on the downside, you don't have to go up as much when stocks go up. You know, math tells us you go down 25%, you have to go up 33% just to get back to even. You go down 50%, you have to go up 100% just to get back to even. So if we can protect on the downside, participate on the upside, at the end of the day, we should have a larger pot of money to pay benefits to um, our clients. and we do that really, it's the dividend is the core of what we do, but this is also, this is not a high yield strategy. It's a higher than average current income with growing income over time through those growing dividends, but it's a total return strategy. Um, and so we require um, uh, earnings growth, minimum 6% projected growth rate. We, we start with a screen that we... Um, screen for growth in 8,500 stock universe. Growth, profitability. We do a check on balance sheet. Oh, if companies have any debt, it has to be investment grade or better, or investment grade. Um, we have liquidity screens, but the most important screen is at five years of annual dividend increases. And our research found that once a company increases its dividend, very few increase it the first year, the second year, the third year, the fourth year. Once you get to five years of annualized dividend increases, it tends to become institutionalized where, you know, it's an important part of the company's capital allocation strategy, and they are going to... Um, Uh, make capital investments in terms of research and development, acquisitions, capital expenditures, so that they have a higher probability of earnings growth so that they can continue to increase that dividend year after year. So higher earnings visibility, more more transparent financial um, statements. And um, what's interesting is only uh, out of that 8,500 stock universe, only um, about 3.5% of the companies meet that dividend mm-hmm. criteria. So that is a very high standard. And that takes us to about 150 to 200 companies out of 8,500. And then we look at valuation. We never want to pay a peak valuation because the price you pay for any assets a key determinant as to whether or not you're going to achieve your expected return. So we, um, and it's a lower you know, uh, risk strategy. So we never want to pay peak peak valuations. And then we start to do our bottom-up research, and it's done by Remus, Tom, and me. And um, we're really doing the nuts and bolts fundamental research, trying to understand um, if the company has a business model that is going to allow it to um, meet or exceed Wall Street consensus earnings estimates. And so that's the, but we start with um, the primary research um, 
sources. We go through the 10K. We listen to conference calls. We, so we really get to know the company in-house first before we look at Wall Street models and, and see what they say. And so when somebody said to me, because I've known this is how you do it, that they can't believe that my peers saying, I can't believe that you pay somebody to do that. Why don't you do it yourself and save you the money? It's like, are you kidding me? How would I ever know and have the time to do the type of research that you do mm-hmm. to vet out the highest grade companies? Now, I did do my own research for a, a, a good period of my career, mm-hmm. but realizing that the research that we get is also old. Right. I mean, you're, you're looking at, you know documents we were looking at a sheet that somebody put out at my firm that had you know all the information about the company how it had done but it's just like anything else you know whenever someone wants me to write an article or do something it's 30 days in advance i mean right. they're not written overnight no. and and when you have that many companies they're actually new every quarter mm-hmm. so it's it's not only old before you get it, but it sits around for another right. three months before a new one comes out. Mm-hmm. So this is on top of it. You know, you're mm-hmm. doing it, and you're doing it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we think it is our team that is our greatest <clears throat> advantage. We have um, the same people who really created the strategy, have managed it through multiple market cycles and environments and had the performance but the thing is we work as a team we're not a star system um we're all generalists on the strategy and it's very rare you're going to find a team that's worked together for 15 years we each have 30 years of experience and that um, when we're going to put a stock in the portfolio it requires a unanimous decision by the three of us and we run portfolios with just 25 to 35 names. They're, they are high, we call it high conviction. It's a diversified portfolio, but you know to earn its way in the portfolio, then it's going to be a meaningful position, which um, makes it uh, a higher bar versus if you're just going to mm-hmm. put in uh, you know a, a, a 0.1% position in the portfolio. It doesn't really matter how it does to performance. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit about how you make that decision to sell. Because once you've bought into a baby and once you really love that stock, sometimes it's it's really hard to sell it. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to uh, make that decision. And, and I don't even mean um, in terms of it's very simple if you know it's cut its dividend, but how do you know when to start trimming off? And that is a really hard thing for most investors. When it's working, they just want to stay with it. But um, sometimes it's better to trim that, trim mm-hmm. it back, and make sure that you know what you have. My guest today is Mary Brown. She's the president of Campbell Newman. She is right here downtown Milwaukee. And uh, as you can see, Mary has been doing the radio show since 2006. And Mary, one of my fondest memories of you and this was when we were just you know we were I don't know if you remember this it was the market and the market had crashed and um, we decided to do fireside mm-hmm. uh, meetings and I remember calling you and say you know the market's down we want to offer this to all our clients they can come and talk to us and we had a tax person there and we had you there and another manager and you said are you sure you want to do that everybody's going to be so mad <laughs> and it was the most wonderful meetings, and I remember you and I talking after and say, 
clients aren't mad. And I said, no, because they know what to expect Mm -hmm. and they know they have a plan. When you have a plan, you feel like you're in a much safer position. And so we've been doing the radio show so that our clients who listen all the time, but other people have a a better way of measuring what they have and is it what they really want and do they know what to expect when the market will correct. And of course, we do know that the market's going to correct because that's the efficiency of the market. We just Mm -hmm. don't know when. And now we've been on a nice long ride here. And it's almost like I want to say to my listeners, you know, do you know what you have? Because when the market goes down, if you have high quality and you're reinvesting those dividends, which is the total return we've been talking about, then it's the best time. Nobody wants to buy stale bread on sale. They want to buy exactly what they want on sale. So we look at our clients' portfolio, and I always say, I know I've done a good job if you're really happy when the market goes down, Mm -hmm. because I know exactly what the dividends are. And I'll say, and I'll show them the peak. Do you want me to buy it here? Would you rather me buy it down here low? Well, low. Okay, let's hope that the market goes down so that we can dump all those dividends <laughs> into these quality stocks and have more shares. Because I say the people with the most shares wins because dividend-paying stocks, if you're selling it, of course, it's looking at the value. But to get the dividends, it's based on the number of shares you have. So the more shares you have the more dividend money you keep making over time. And so uh, I like to say that um, for us that it's really the sweet spot of our portfolio because we we can count on those dividends. And for us, we look at it and say we want our clients to have seven years of fixed income between individual bonds and bonds. When the market is down, we don't have to touch any of those equities, even the growth equities, Mm -hmm. because every year we have the exact amount of money coming due that they need to spend. And in a market that is really working, we just let the bonds roll over, and then we take from the gains of the portfolio in various places. So it's a strategy that has worked really well for us, and it's a strategy, Mary, that you and your team are um, very much a part of. And so we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Mary Brown. She is the president of Campbell Newman, and she has been doing Money Sense with me since 2006. And lots of experience and lots of experience in managing my clients' money, but also just in general the market and understanding. I love the idea that, you know, you knew your dad when he was, and, and he mentored you. Of course, you knew your dad, but he mentored you <laughs> as as a Um, potential career and it's amazing how much we pick up from our parents just by being with them and see how they talk to people and how they operate and so it's really been a pleasure watching you um, take over and um, keep the Campbell Newman name and keeping what you're doing alive in Milwaukee. Thank you, Mary, when we talk about um, our the stocks, and we talk about the dividend-paying portfolio and how we utilize it. How do you, I guess I would ask, what keeps you up at night? Um, you know, the whole idea for me was, Mary, I want to sleep at night. So, mm-hmm. But what in the market, we didn't do a market overview this year, but when you're looking at your stocks, what, what kind of keeps you, the three of you, awake at night pondering mm-hmm. what what to do next? And often... For me, when I'm looking at things, it's like, should I sell it? Shouldn't I sell it? You know, is there more in it? Is it overweighted? 
um, you've got some pretty strong strategies around that, but there still has to be some things that kind of keep you up. <laughs> you know, the last time somebody asked me that, I was like, my kids, my kids <laughs> keep me up at night. Um, no, you know, in, in terms of there can be difficult times in the market, um, and uh, there, there, there can be these events that um, make it hard uh, in the shorter term. But I think that keeping a longer-term perspective and really going back to the fundamentals as you, um, as you watch what goes on around you um, helps us all sleep at night. You know, um, the fact is we can't control what goes on in the world around us. The only thing we can control is what's in the portfolio. So when your stocks went down um, and you didn't, you were below where the market was because you didn't own any of those high-tech stocks and some of those things. Did you change or shift your um, what you buy? Mm-hmm. Did you shift or did you Are stay? you talking about the fourth quarter of the, last year? No, when in the very beginning when um, you took over the company uh, and oh. and you didn't own any of those stocks and you didn't meet the oh. averages of the market. Did, yes, we did change. I mean, because... Campbell Newman was kind of pushed into that large cap mm-hmm. growth, Russell 1000 growth. And so the the dividend growth, so we we created the dividend growth strategy. From to that. really Yes, to really better meet what our clients were looking for and um, our, our core investment beliefs. It, it's a really a, a wonderful marriage of, of the two together because we have, Campbell Newman has always been a more risk-averse, mm-hmm. Um, total return manager. Um, so yes, but we were we early on to investments in Cisco Systems, Microsoft, companies like that. Yes, we were. But um, but you know, I you, think I think the question that I was trying to get to. I know what the question I was trying to get to, <laughs> or the answer maybe, is that now that you have shifted and you've moved into the strategy, when the market goes down again. You're not going to go chasing stocks to improve returns or to do anything because you have a solid model that is a model that moves through these markets mm-hmm. the way the way and, and the portfolio positioning times, yes. can change. The portfolio positioning definitely can change, but I mean, even um, for the past year, the portfolio turnover has been la- less than fifteen um, percent, which is low, yes. and that includes that ugly fourth quarter of 20, 2018. And we were overweighted in the technology sector in, um, well, we have been for a number of years, but our technology stocks, um, that part of the, that sector in the portfolio outperformed the S&P 500 in the fourth quarter. So I think that really shows a lot of the quality of the names mm-hmm. in the portfolio. Um, that that they held up well in that down market. That's one of the things our clients really enjoy is they know most of the names in the portfolio. We're going to take another break just because we had such long-winded conversations in the very beginning. And let's just do a really quick overview of where you see the market right now because, you know, people now are saying, oh, I'm retiring and I have this or I sold my house or I sold my business. Is it really a good time to get in? And, of course, when you're looking at the long term, it's a good time to get in. But let's come back. We'll take that break and see what you what your crystal ball is telling us. Okay. 
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you would like to share this interview with somebody, um, just go to ellenbecker.com. You can go to radio shows and you can click on Money Sense. Also, um, if you are interested in Mary's strategy, um, Campbell Newman's strategy, please give us a call at 262-691-3200. We, if you have a portfolio of investments, we'll sit down with Mary and take a look at what you have and make any recommendations. We're always looking at the tax implications of selling something. So it might be that you know you move into the strategy a little bit slower as we can um, look at a tax strategy for you. And uh, there may be things that are just absolutely perfect. But if you're thinking that you'd like to get into that dividend-paying portfolio, please give us a call, as I said, at 262-691-3200. And Mary, what do you see for the remainder of 2019? Well, I don't know exactly what will happen, (laughs) obviously. Um, The market's up over, the S&P 500's up over 20% 20 so far this year. But, you know, the appreciation that we've experienced in the past 10 years is supported by earnings growth. And that's what's really, really important. Um, at the bottom of the market in 2009, the S&P 500 earnings were just a little bit under um, $40. Today, they're at about 160 and supposed to be about 165 for 2019. So the 300% price increase in in the index um, coincides with almost four times increase in earnings. You know, it's been supported. It's not it's not um, just elevated for no reason. And right now, um, next year, uh, the consensus estimate for the S&P 500 implies another 5% growth in earnings, not including the dividends. Um, dividend increases have been good this year, by and large. Um, in our portfolio, the average dividend increase has been well over 10%. Just last week, we had um, uh, um, double-digit dividend increases from Microsoft, KLA 10 Core, or I guess it's KLA Corp now. But, um, you know, so things keep on coming through. And what a lot of people also don't realize is that sell-off in the fourth quarter of last year um, you know, depending, some people called it a bear market, some didn't. It depended, you know, if you thought it was really down 20%. But, but stocks were really washed out at that mm-hmm. time. Valuations were at multi-year lows. And really, um, so much of that was caused by sentiment and not underlying weakness. Mm-hmm. So right now, we don't know um, how much... Uh, the the all the the trade battle with China slowdown in Europe, but you know so many of the economic things that we we watch here in the U.S. continue to be good, and um, the calls that we hear from companies, um, uh, they're still quite positive. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's really key to what we're looking at on a bottom up stock-by-stock basis. Um, Do these managements believe they're going to be able to generate earnings growth in line with expectations, and then will dividend increases go along with that? And I do think with the elections that we're going to see some volatility. Sure. The most important thing that I would recommend to my listeners is that they know what they own. 
If you know what you own and you ask your advisor, your broker, if the market goes down 20%, what can I expect to see? Which of my, What part of my portfolio is going to be stable? What have you prepared me for for that market? So I am spending or I'm not spending. Um, the best thing is to be able to have some cash, which I love it as dividends coming in when the market does go down. But do you have a strategy for the up market of rebalancing and taking profits off? And do you have a strategy for those markets that are down that you can add money to it? Or at, or at the best, you don't have to sell mm-hmm. to, ha- to have money to live on. Mm-hmm. And so many of our clients, when we look at what they're spending, we also, one of the strategies to determine how much should we put in dividend-paying stocks is looking at the income that they're going to spend. So we know they've got this much Social Security or this much pension. We know that this is what they need to live. We look at that and we decide where might we want to take those dollars from. And do we want to take some of the dividends or do we want to reinvest them? Take some of the cash off the portfolio? And then what's the tax implications? Mm -hmm. So it's not like just open, you know, call up and say, sell something. I need, you know, $20,000. It's like, where will you sell it? What are the tax implications? Um, and do I have enough safety and security in my portfolio to weather a four- or five-year down market? Mm-hmm. And I think, Mary, that the dividend-paying stock portfolio answers so many of those questions. So I love that. We're going to have to get you back to talk to Small Cap because that's also another um, wonderful way of looking for more growth to keep up with inflation and taxes and lifestyle without taking additional risk. Mm-hmm. So I thank you thank very you, much Karen, for, very, very much. for coming in. And uh, if you do want those your portfolio, your stocks, just um, a glance at them, give us a call at 262-691-3200. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always, always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye. <laughs>